Ephesians chapter 4 verse 7 will be our focus theme and it says for unto every one of us is given grace according to the measure of the gift of Christ. Wherefore he saith when he ascended up on high he led captivity captive and gave gifts to men. Amen. This is uh, actually quoting from a psalm, uh, I believe Psalm 68 about Jesus' resurrection. Of course, the principal gift he gave on the day of Pentecost was the Holy Spirit, but it tells us in the plural he gave gifts to men. Amen. And so with the Holy Spirit comes many other gifts. Some of the gifts we, we have uh, studied in the past, but we're going to look at them tonight in a, in a new light. Amen. Now, there are three words that are used in the New Testament in the Greek for gifts, there is charisma, which means supernatural abilities, doma, which is gifts in general, um, the action of giving, doma, and doron, gifts offered as an expression of honor, like an honorarium. Now, what I've said before about the God that we serve is that he is perfect, and in fact, any gift he gives is perfect. He cannot give a used gift. We uh, sometimes give gifts that we have re-gifted, so to speak, but God's gifts are perfect. In fact, in Matthew chapter 7 and verse 11, the scripture tells us that if he then, being evil, know how to give good gifts unto your children, how much more shall your Father which is in heaven give good things to them that ask? Amen. God's purpose in giving gifts, the Bible tells us, is for the benefit and edification of his church. James 1.17 tells us every good gift and every perfect gift is from above and cometh down from the Father of lights with whom is no variableness, neither shadow of turning. So tonight we're going to look at the gifts in a, in a little bit different way because the scripture also talks about the fruit of the Spirit. And what this lesson is going to show tonight um, is that the fruit of the Spirit is the channel that unlocks the gifts of the Spirit. Let's look at a few of the fruit of the Spirit, because without them, you cannot actually manifest the gifts of the Spirit. Love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, faith, meekness, temperance, these are all things that are the fruit of the Spirit. And when we exhibit the fruit of the Spirit, that is the secret and the channel to manifesting the gifts of the Spirit. People wonder why in churches we don't see more of the gifts. It's because the channel, the fruits of the Spirit, are blocked. So it is the fruit of the Spirit that enables us to use the gifts of the Spirit. They are the channel. And so the first thing to understand about the gifts of the Spirit is if you don't have love, if you don't have some joy, if you don't have some peace, it's very hard to be able to manifest those gifts that the Spirit is giving us and they become blocked and unfruitful. Amen. So the first step if you want to manifest the fruit of the Spirit is understand why don't we have, sorry, the gifts of the Spirit, why aren't we manifesting first the fruit of the Spirit? If you don't have love, it's going to be hard to really give a word of wisdom. 
It's, it's going to be hard to give a word of knowledge. It's going to be hard to the working of miracles if you're a bitter person, if you're not a joyful person, if you're not long-suffering. These are all the channels through which the gifts are enabled and manifest. Let's look at the gifts now. Word of wisdom, word of knowledge, faith, the working of miracles, prophecy, discerning of spirits, diverse kinds of tongues, the interpretation of tongues. So there is a a gift of faith and there is a fruit that is of faith. The Bible does tell us that that God has given to every man the measure of faith. When we come to Christ and we get the Holy Spirit and we we have sought um, for the manifestation of the Spirit, we we look for the, the manifestation of tongues. But that is only the first sign of the Spirit. We should continue till we have manifested fruit and also through the fruit, through the channel of the fruit, the gifts of the Spirit. Now, there is one gift that I said Sunday is primary and and in fact the very first gift that comes from God that is not even listed in this list here, but uh, I challenged those here to tell me what was the first gift. And it took a while to get to the answer. But let's look at Ephesians where it tells us what the very first gift is. And when you read it, you will understand that it must come first because it is the means to salvation. Ephesians chapter 2 verse 8 says, For by grace are we saved through faith and not of ourselves. It is the gift of God. Now, this is very important in this lesson to understand the order in which the gifts manifest and the fact that everyone, everyone gets the gift of grace. Otherwise, you cannot be saved because it says, for by grace, unmerited favor, God's sovereign choice are ye saved through faith and not of yourselves. It is the gift of God. And because of that, the Bible goes on to say, when we get the gift of grace, We are raised up together and made to sit in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. Now, the reason why we're going to need such an eternity is because the God we serve is infinite. And the scripture goes on to say that in the ages to come, he might show the exceeding riches of his grace. Now, this is the very first gift, but it does not end when we get to heaven. The Bible says here that in the Ages to come, he might show the exceeding riches of his grace in his kindness towards us through Christ Jesus. Now, Paul elsewhere speaks about some of the gifts ending because their utility, their usefulness will have ceased. It says, where there be tongues, they shall cease. Whether they be prophecies, they shall cease. But the very first gift we're given here, Paul is saying that in the ages to come, he might show the exceeding riches of his grace in his kindness. For again, by grace are ye saved through faith and not of yourselves. So the first two gifts that we all get is first grace. And then when we respond to that grace, we are actually using faith. Those two are the gifts that everyone must have. And certainly by grace, we are saved. So the scripture tells us that the very first gift is grace. And it is important that we understand that for the purposes of this lesson because there is a revelation that I want to present that is associated with this aspect of the lesson, that grace, unmerited favor, is the first gift. 
Titus 2.11 reiterates that because it says, For the grace of God brings us to salvation and hath appeared to all men. We remember when the angel came at his birth and he said, Peace on earth, goodwill towards men. Because Jesus Christ came down to break down the middle wall of partition that separated us from God. We were Gentiles. We could not even enter into many parts of the temple. As far as you could come, even in the modern temple in Jesus' day, was the court of the Gentiles. That was as far as we could come. But when he said it is finished, when he said it is finished, when he said man's redemption is paid, that broke down the separation. And that's why Hebrews 4.16 says, now we can come boldly to a throne of grace. Amen. Amen. That's the, the important part to remember that grace is the first gift of the Spirit. Amen. Now, how is this grace manifested? How is this grace manifested? Well, it's manifested in forgiveness. That's how it's manifested. Matthew six twelve, in his teaching his disciples to pray, it says this, and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. That's all about God's grace. But if he forgive not men their trespasses, neither will your father forgive your trespasses. Now, I said before about regifting, and this is the one gift that we're supposed to regift. When we receive grace, God's favor, God's unmerited forgiveness, what are we supposed to do according to this scripture? We're supposed to give grace. We receive grace and we give grace. That's how we utilize the gift. The gift is not just uh, one way, but it's for us to pass along. It is to give to others the same uh, mercy that God has given us. In the New Testament, Jesus tells the parable of the, the servant who was forgiven greatly by the king. He owed thousands and thousands that he could not pay, and the king forgave him. And then he went out immediately and caught one of his fellow servants and took him by the throat and demanded everything. When the king heard it, he was extremely upset. No doubt because when we have been granted mercy, we are to grant mercy. The scripture in Matthew says, Blessed are the merciful, for they shall obtain mercy. Amen. Now, how does this work? Ephesians 4.29 says, Let no corrupt communication proceed out of your mouth, but that which is good to the use of edifying, that it might minister, that it might serve grace unto the hearers. You see, without us being able to use that gift of grace, what we are saying does not minister to the hearers. What we are saying may have them just put up a wall so they're not even listening. So God gives us the gift of grace, this first gift, so that we can actually minister grace to others. This is brought about again and showed in 1 Peter 4.10. It says, as every man hath received the gift, even so minister, that means serve, the same one to another as good stewards of the manifold grace, the plenteous grace of God. Because this is what that first gift is about. We didn't deserve it. The Bible said, while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Not because of anything good that we had done. Not because of any works of righteousness. But it is his sovereign 
grace. And what we are to do then is not necessarily approve of sin, but we are not the ones that writes the name in the book. For with what judgment ye judge, he shall be judged, and with what measure ye meet, it shall be measured to you again. I taught on Sunday the fact that when John in Revelation 4 had his vision of heaven, he saw one sitting on the throne with a book. And I have taught that that book represents the book of life. The Bible is quite explicit in Revelation 13 and tells us that it's it's the Lamb's book of life. Why? He was the only one found worthy to open the book. He is the one that will read the names. The Bible is comprised of 66 books that God has allowed men to write. But there are certain books that he has reserved for himself. And Malachi talks about the book of remembrance. The fact that when you cry, when you're sorrowful, when you're under pressure, God is noting your faithfulness. He reserved that book to be written by himself. And of course, too, the greatest of all the books, the books of life, it's he who takes someone's name out or allows someone's name to stay in. And that's why we, we do not have the right to say who is going to be saved. What we do have the right is to preach the gospel and to declare that salvation is available if people will be obedient to God's word. Matthew 7, 2 says, For with what judgment he judge, he shall be judged, and with what measure he meet, it shall be measured to you again. In the parable of the wedding feast, the first people who were invited came up with all kinds of excuses. And the the Lord of the feast said, go out into the highways and byways. Anyone was welcomed in, whether they were rich or poor. That's unmerited favor. And they were to be provided a wedding garment. Our entry into the kingdom is not by works. And yet, when we get into the kingdom, we are to work. Amen. Now, Jesus told this parable, which has many, many layers of interpretation. And we're going to look at one related to the issue of the gifts of the Spirit. In Matthew 24, sorry, 25 and verse 24, Jesus said this, Then he which had received the one talent came and said, Lord, I knew thee that thou art an hard man, reaping where thou hast not sown, and gathering where thou hast not strawed. And I was afraid, and went and hid thy talent in the earth. Lo, there thou hast that is thine. In looking at this parable, I've always kind of wondered why the master was so harsh. I mean, he didn't actually lose it. Yes, he didn't really work with it. But why was the Lord so angry with this servant because he hadn't done as the others. And the revelation starts to become clear when you understand that this parable is trying to show us something about the gifts of the Spirit. And this is the revelation. Remember what I said was the first gift that everyone is given. There were three servants and they were all given gifts. But the first gift that you are given is the gift of grace. And why the master was so upset is 
because in terms of the gifts of the Spirit, he took that grace and then he went and buried it. He did not share it. He was not able to multiply it and give it to others. This was the reason why the master was so upset because the first gift, the first talent represents God's grace. This is what will block any other gifts if we are not sharing grace with others. This is the revelation of the gifts of the Spirit is that it is the first gift. And when we come and become legalistic and judgmental and instead of sharing God's grace and calling all in to the wedding feast, we're burying the gift. Verse 25, And I was afraid and went and hid thy talent in the earth. And lo, there thou hast, that is thine. Yes, I've been holy. I've come to church all my life. See, I'm here. But I did not share your grace. I was quite content for it to remain just with me. So here is the thing. When you give someone a gift and they're ungrateful, are you inclined to give them any more? We want all of the gifts to manifest for the edification of the church. But if you're not going to use the first gift, if you're going to bury it, so to speak, then why would God manifest more? Will you be given more if you're not using that first gift? And it's so easy to encourage others, to share the love of God with others. But of course, it is not easy if the channel, the fruits of the Spirit, Love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, meekness, and all the rest. If they're blocked, if they're missing from your life, yes, the channel will be blocked. You can't even manifest God's grace. So in this parable, we see now, in terms of the gifts, why the master was so upset. Let's read on. In Matthew twenty-five, twenty-nine: For unto everyone that hath shall be given. This explains why some people are multi-talented with God's gifts because they've learned to take God's grace and to spread it. To everyone that hath shall be given, and he shall have abundance. But from him that hath not shall be taken away even that which he hath. This is the revelation of the gifts of the Spirit, that if you don't use the first gift, which is grace, and then you don't use the second gift, which is faith, then don't expect any of the others. Let's read on. In the story, he gave the other five to the other two and to every man according to his several ability and straightway took his journey. The simplest gift is grace because it is so easy to be forgiving, to be humble, to be loving to someone else. Maybe you can't sing. Maybe you can't preach. Amen. But you can love, you can pray, you can encourage someone. Then he that received the five talents went and traded with the same and made them other five talents. And likewise, he that had received two, he also gained other two. But he that had received one went and digged in the earth and hid his Lord's money. Jesus told this for a reason. And it wasn't really about the money or the gold. It was to exemplify the fact that when the gift comes from him, it is precious. It is unique. It is not to be buried. This is how we will unblock the channel through using the fruit of the Spirit to manifest first the gift of grace and then of faith. 
This is how God will then give us other gifts, word of wisdom, miracles, healing, deliverances. But if all we've done is taken his grace and become legalistic and judgmental and said, I'm, I'm the holy one. In other words, we've buried it. We have not shared it. We have not multiplied it. It's burying God's grace. Now, if you want some proof of this, we'll go to some of the writings of Paul just to show you how powerful it is the misuse or the non-use of God's grace really is. In Galatians chapter 2, verse 21, Paul says, I do not make the grace of God of no effect. Amen. That's such a profound statement in light of what I've been saying. What he's saying is if we don't uh, first use that first gift of grace, then we make of no effect what comes after it. And how do we do it? Because if righteousness is through the law, if we, if we don't come to God uh, based upon God's grace, then we are really coming to him based upon our works. Then Christ was put to death for nothing. If he gives us grace, mercy, and his love, and we do not respond, we bury it, then what we're doing is saying his death was not enough. His death meant nothing. This is why in the parable, the master was so angry and cast that servant out. Without multiplying the gift of grace, this is what happens. Mark seven thirteen. we make the word of God of none effect because then we are coming to God based upon tradition. Well, my family always came here. Uh, this is how we've always done it. Yes, I'm, I'm, I'm a Sunday a school teacher. I come to church. But have you shared God's grace? You make the word of God of none effect through tradition, which ye have delivered, and many such like things do we. Jesus had to deal with this a lot with the Pharisees because they had turned God's grace into nothing but rules and regulations that they burdened the people with and yet themselves did not follow. The amazing thing about the gifts of God is that the Bible tells us they are without repentance. Romans eleven twenty nine, and this was one of Paul's great revelations. You know, we think God gives gifts because we're good. But no, the gifts and calling of God are without repentance. That means you cannot go around judging ministers or people just because they, they have talent. Because that does not mean that they are approved or walking in God's will. Because the scripture tells us, it is without repentance. That means people can have gifts and manifest some of them, but not to the fullest because they are not walking in the fullness of God's will. It's without repentance. That's why we can see someone in the Old Testament like King Saul. The Bible said he was head and shoulders above all of his peers. He looked the very uh, way a king should look. And at first when he was called, he exhibited the, the demeanor of humbleness and of someone who God could use. But then he let all of that go to his head. And the gifts, the natural talents of leadership that he had went away. They were not manifested so that here comes Goliath and he's there 40 days challenging Israel. And instead of Saul being the one to lead the people, 
God had to find a young 17-year-old David to challenge the enemy. This shows you that even if you have gifts that are without repentance, unless God is in it, eventually nothing will come of it. The Bible says, except the Lord build the house, they that labor, labor in vain. So God arranged this way so that it does not depend on how clever we are, does not depend on how smart we are, how tall we are, how good looking or not we are. It does not depend on our merit, but on God's favor and his sovereign choice. That is the gift of grace, unmerited. Once we start to use that gift of grace, though, we are opening the door for all the other gifts. Once we start to take the one talent and multiply it to two, or the two talents, grace and faith, and mix it with the fruit of the spirit of love, joy, and peace, then we will start to reap a harvest of the other gifts. Let's look at this. 1 Corinthians 12.4 tells us, Now there are diversities of gifts, but the same Spirit. There are diversities of gifts, and the reason is so that God can use us in different ways. One of the most amazing things we look at in the New Testament was the group of people that Jesus gathered to himself, those 12 disciples. In the normal course of events, those people would have never gotten along. They probably would never have liked each other. One was a publican who was hated. One was a terrorist. He belonged to the the group of zealots who were uh, ambushing and murdering Romans. Five of them were fishermen. And all kinds of people who normally would never have gotten along. But through the gifts of grace and God's love, joy, and peace, you can still have unity. That is what the scripture tells us the gifts are for, for the edifying, the building up of the church. And that's why in Revelation we see it's all nations, tongues, kindreds, and peoples. God can bring them to one accord. That's the miracle of God's love and the miracle of his grace. The scripture goes on to say... There are differences of administrations, but the same Lord. There are diversities of operations, but it is the same God which worketh all in all. You understand that the gifts are going to operate differently, even the same gift in a different personality, because that's how God used us. I mentioned on Sunday the fact that those who have children, multiple children, it's amazing that each one is different. Even though they are from the same parents, grew up in the same home, but God made us unique so that he could use our vessel with his gifts in a unique way so that salvation and the usage of the gifts is personal. We see that very much in the New Testament, how the personalities of Peter and the personalities of of Paul were so different. Peter was a kind of shoot from the hip kind of guy, very quick to jump into something. And we see Paul was a very logical and thoughtful person who would who would think things through. But yet God used both of them. He used Peter to preach to the Jews and he used Paul to preach to the Gentiles. You may win someone that I cannot win because that is your gifting that God has personally given you. 
But that's what the Bible says. He gives personal gifts. They're personalized. Amen. That's why don't worry about the fact that someone else has a gift. What is for you is only for you. And what is for someone else, no one can take. Because what God gives to you is only for you. Amen. Even if it's the same gift, it can manifest differently and be used in a different way, in a different circumstance. Because the Bible tells us that all the gifts he gives are good. Amen. In this modern translation I'm going to read, it will bring this out. 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 7 in the New Living Translation says this, There are different ways God works in our lives, but it is the same God who does the work through all of us. A spiritual gift is given to each of us as a means of helping the entire church. It's not for me personally, but it should be for the blessing of the entire church. To one person, the Spirit gives the ability to give wise advice. To another person, the Spirit gives the ability uh, to give of special knowledge. The Spirit gives special faith to another. That's why I was bringing out the difference between the fruit of faith and the gift of faith. And to someone else, he gives the power to heal the sick. Verse 10, he gives one person the power to perform miracles and another the ability to prophesy. He gives someone else the ability to know whether it really is the Spirit of God. We call that discernment or another spirit that is speaking. Still another person given the ability to speak in unknown languages and another given the ability to interpret what is being said. Now, uh, people get mixed up on this. This is speaking about the gift of tongues. That's not to be confused with the infilling of the Holy Spirit where we all speak in an unknown tongue. It is the one and only Holy Spirit who distributes these gifts. He alone decides what gifts each person should have. Amen. And they're there for the edification and the building up of the church. That's why God gave these gifts. But they will not be unblocked. They will not be manifest until first we use the fruit of the Spirit to flow the gifts of the Spirit. Secondly, that that first gift, as the talent that was given was grace, has to be used. It cannot be buried or else the rest of the gifts will not be unblocked. Wise counsel, gift of special knowledge, to sum them up, special faith, power to heal the sick, power to perform miracles, prophecy, discernment of spirits. Imagine if the channel was unblocked and how powerful the church would be if all these gifts were manifesting all the time. It wouldn't just be preaching or teaching. There would be words of wisdom. There would be counsel. There would be healings. In fact, you wouldn't have to do much preaching. With the miracles that would be going on, the church would be full. It's to help the entire church church. So what does it mean? This means that we are called to keep on seeking, keep on going till we see the manifestation of the gifts that God has given us. Unblock the channel. Make sure you are manifesting, first of all, the fruit of love, joy, peace, gentleness, long-suffering, meekness. All these things enable the gifts to mature in us. It's not just the speaking in tongues. Mark 16, 17 says, and these signs, that's plural, shall follow them that believe. In my name 
shall they cast out devils. They shall speak with new tongues. They shall take up serpents. Now I said Sunday, now it's not just talking about the ones that crawl on the ground, but it's speaking about the two-legged kind. Those kind of serpents we, we run into all the time. And if they drink any deadly thing, it shall not hurt them. They shall lay hands on the sick and they shall recover. Amen. This is what God has called us to. This is the promise. We're not using even a fraction of what God has gifted us with. I told on Sunday the story of, you know, when you give kids a a, a really expensive toy and they open the box and they put the toy down and they start playing with the box. How does that make you feel? That's exactly what we do. We've been given the gift of the Spirit and all we want to do is play with the box. All of the other gifts that God has said that we have in abundance, we're not able to use or utilize because we're not functioning through the fruit of the Spirit. If we want to be an empowered church, let's continue to seek, just as we did for the Holy Spirit, that God will pour out all these other gifts upon us to the fullness so that the church can be fully edified. The women's prayer breakfast this year, the theme was to stir it up. When we mix some of these gifts, word of knowledge, miracles, tongues and interpretation and prophecy, then we will have a blessing, something, some spiritual edification and food. Second Timothy 1.6, Paul writing to his uh, um, mentee, so to speak, Wherefore I put thee in remembrance that thou stir up the gift of God which is in thee by the putting on of my hands. So the way we can receive the gifts is also by prayer. Paul says to seek earnestly those gifts. We can ask God for a gift. Amen. We can, when once we've been filled with the Spirit, if we have our channel on block, we can ask God for the gifts. 1 Timothy 4.14 tells us, Neglect not the gift that is in thee, which was given thee by prophecy with the laying on of the hands of the presbytery. So the gifts can also be imparted through prayer. Seek earnestly, covet those gifts. Amen. But we will not have them manifest unless we are also producing the fruit of the Spirit. Amen. This is a slightly shortened version of what we taught on Sunday, but we could not uh, stream because of technical difficulties. But I really felt it important that we have this revelation that the reason that we are given that gift, that first talent, is not to bury it, but to share it. Amen. To minister grace unto the hearers. That's what God has called us to be, to be people of grace. Hallelujah. To be able to share this word so that others may, may be saved, to multiply. The whole parable is about winning other people. And that's why the master was so angry that the gift of grace was buried. Let us pray that we are not burying God's gift of grace, but that we are sharing it with everyone we know and to pour out his love on others, not with condemnation, but with the understanding that they're a sinner just as we were. The Bible says we are saved by grace. And this is what we have to share with the world, that God's grace is able, just like his love, to pull you out of any mess if you will hold on, if you will grab a hold of God's grace and his love through faith, believing that he can bring deliverance and salvation. 
he is able, amen, the Bible says to do exceeding abundantly above all that we can ask or even think. And so tonight I'm encouraging you to let your faith rise, to stand upon the rock of his word and grab hold of God's grace, grab hold of his love. Let that uh, work be multiplied so that you can bring not just that grace that you received, but many others into the kingdom. Amen. We'll, we pray right now that God will bless you this week, uh, that you will come out to hear some of our services in person, and we give God the, gra- the, the praise and the glory for all that he is doing. Amen. If you could bow your hearts with me, Father, we thank you tonight for your goodness, most of all your grace that is received through salvation and your gift of the Holy Spirit. Lord, let the fruit of the Spirit be manifest, Lord, that the gifts of the Spirit will also flow through us. We thank you for what you're doing in our lives. Lord, we thank you for your multiplied mercies. Lord, we ask you to use us and let our talents be multiplied in your kingdom, but not just through our own natural ability, but through your will and an obedience to your word. We give you the praise and the glory. In Jesus' name, amen.